Coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch, I talk with my virtual best friend, Kurt Frankham. Kurt is the executive director and chairman of the board of LeadingSaints.org. And Kurt is coming on to talk about his Liberating Saints Virtual Pornography Summit, which is an online conference that will help anyone who leads or those who struggle with pornography, help and restore hope to others when all hope seems lost. Find out that and more coming up on today's episode of The Virtual Couch. Okay, uh, more email feedback before we get to the show. And this one is so good. This one is um, is my favorite. I know we're not supposed to have favorites. Each and every email is very important to me, just like all of my kids. But uh, you're going to like this one a lot. It says, Tony, and I did get permission from the uh, the author of this email. Tony, therapy is like a bathroom in the middle of a long run. They already have me right there. I've got plenty of stories about bathrooms in the middle of a long run. Uh, but the person goes on to say, just uh, just wait let you know you're making a difference in my life. My wife first introduced me to your podcast a year or so during a rough period of time for both of us. Discussing your episodes has broken the ice for some much needed conversations between us, which I'm so grateful for. I really am. Um, Back to the email. That alone has been amazing. I'm using BetterHelp, thanks to you. I live in a small town. Let me just say, that would be betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. Please, please go there. If you're going to take a look at betterhelp.com, please go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. It really helps the podcast. But he says, I'm using BetterHelp thanks to you. I live in a small town and the counselor options are slim. Plus, I never saw myself as somebody who needed therapy. I came close a few times to setting up appointments, but I always backed out. BetterHelp.com slash virtual couch is so easy. Before you can have a second thought, they have you matched up. I love that because the uh, that process is very easy on BetterHelp.com. The barrier to entry is so low. I've been using it for a few weeks now, and I know it's going to make a difference in my life. Now to explain my crude analogy. My wife and I are training for a marathon. During the long run, we were catching up, and I was telling her about my experience with BetterHelp. A few miles later, we were passing a bathroom. I tried to tell myself I could tough it out, and I didn't want to stop and break my rhythm. Boy, have I been there. One of these days, I'm going to tell a story about uh, why I hold a Strava record in the town of Davis during a one particular one-mile stretch of a half marathon that has to do with exactly this concept. But that'll be a very vulnerable uh, story for me. Back to the email. But I tried to tell myself I could tough it out and didn't want to stop and break my rhythm. I told myself I was tougher than that, but I stopped. After, I ran faster, felt better, and was glad I stopped. Therapy is the same. I was telling myself I wasn't that guy and that I could tough it and that I could tough it out. Now that I'm going, I feel better, and uh, it's worth the brief pause on life. Keep up the good work. So thank you for that email. Again, these are coming in pretty regularly now, and I'm grateful for that. So please go to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch and uh, just know that uh, that betterhelp.com, over 500,000 people have already signed up, done this before you as well. Um, they're going to betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, getting the help they need, even the help that they didn't know they need, as we learned about in this email today. There's a broad range of expertise in the counselor network that might not be available in local areas. Uh, it's available for clients worldwide. You can log in to your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You get timely and thoughtful responses. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room, even though my waiting room is very nice. I will admit that, but uh, but some some aren't. Or you're, you, might, you don't want to run into somebody you know, but BetterHelp will assess your needs, match it with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can often start communicating in less than 24 hours. And uh, they also have scholarships. So if you are struggling financially, but you really want that help, um, betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, go through there, sign up, and uh, you will find out that there are a lot of um, options for you on betterhelp.com slash virtual couch, even if you are struggling financially. And uh, and I actually have coming up later this week, I have one of the um, a, a kind of a big deal at betterhelp.com. 
and they're coming on to talk about the whole um, experience of BetterHelp, and I'm really excited for you to hear that interview. It, it, it's it's going to sound a little bit advertising, but man, we get into the nuts and bolts of how it works and uh, signing up for accounts and the way the therapists work and all that, so I'm, I'm really excited to share that interview coming up later this week. Um, there's a special offer for Virtual Couch listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash virtual couch. So what are you waiting for? Go sign up today. therapist, certified mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back. The Path Back is an online pornography recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you are anybody that you know is struggling to put pornography behind you once and for all, and trust me, it can be done in a strength-based hold the shame, become the person you always knew you could be way, then please head over to pathbackrecovery.com, and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to get rid of pornography once and for all. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram. A lot of things are happening on the Virtual Couch Instagram account, and that is because I have uh, not one but two amazing, incredible, wonderful interns that are managing the Instagram account. They have gotten me into the world of weekly Q&As, into Instagram TV, of answering some questions, giving some thoughts, uh, weekly thoughts kind of about therapy and principles that I'm kind of picking up on the Uh, in sessions. So uh, please go there uh, at Virtual Couch on Instagram. And you can also find the Virtual Couch page on Facebook. That is new. Previously, I was just simply pointing people to Tony Overbay Licensed Marriage and Family Therapist. And that's there as well. And you can go like them both. Why not? And if you have a minute and you've enjoyed any of the Virtual Couch podcast material, please do me a favor and rate, review, or subscribe the podcast wherever you get your podcast. And then uh, last but not least, if you can head over to TonyOverbay.com, sign up there, you can find out more about some really exciting news. Not just this book I've been talking about, but uh, there's a program coming up. Well, program, there's a there's a, a, what, what, a seminar coming up that I can't wait to talk a little bit more about as well that is coming up very soon. And uh, But the book, i got to get better at promoting this book. I co-authored a book, and there is a release date. It's looking like early November. I guess that's not technically a release date. There is a release period, a release time frame, and I will give more on that as soon as I know more. And uh, and I think I shared this on a couple of interviews that I did last week. Sure, it might not be a page-turner in the same vein as a Grisham or King, and it might not be a book club read, although don't sell myself short. But it is, it's really going to help a lot of people. The advanced reviews of some of the material that co-author Joshua Shea and I have shared have been very well received. The book is called He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict to Answer Your Questions. And we take uh, we have several chapters in different um, areas of questions where he answers the question about pornography and pornography addiction and turning to pornography and trying to hide it, that sort of thing, from a, um, a former addict's standpoint. And I'm, uh, I'm given kind of what I see in the room, the, uh, the expert's opinion there as well. And uh, my interview today, let's get to that. My interview today is with Kurt Frankham. And there are a lot of Kurt Frankham fans that listen to The Virtual Couch. Kurt Frankham is, well, I can, I can kind of tell you a little bit uh, more about that in a second. But we, we were supposed to start talking about his Liberating Saints Virtual Pornography Summit. And I am uh, very pleased to be one of the speakers that was invited to participate in this leading Liberating Saints Virtual Pornography Summit. But here's the deal. This was supposed to be an interview about Kurt. And uh, this guy is a pro. 
Um, the, I was going to interview him. I wanted to, I feel like a lot of people hear him interview people. He, he has hundreds and hundreds of episodes on his liberating or leading saints podcast. You can go to leading saints.org, but no, I feel like a lot of people don't necessarily know Kurt. And I get a lot of feedback from an episode that I did with him on his podcast about removing shame from a bishop's office when dealing with pornography addiction. And that is, uh, that's one of my favorite interviews that I feel like I've done because Kurt is such a good interviewer and I got to kind of speak passionately about strength-based tools to help overcome addiction. But Kurt is such a pro though. So I was going to interview him about him, about his background of growing up and um, starting the website and the nonprofit that he does. And, and he just helps so many people. And the guy just flipped it around on me and was asking me questions about uh, addiction, about pornography. And we, we end up covering a lot of ground. I think we spend quite a bit of time talking about the word addiction and the impact that, that has on people's recovery. And then he just uh, he does a nice job. <laughs> Here I am saying he does a nice job interviewing me on the interview that I am supposed to do of him. But Kurt is the he's um, he currently well, I'm reading this from uh, his leading saints.org his about Kurt Frankham currently lives in Holiday, Utah with his lovely wife, Alana, Alana. They are blessed to have two children, a girl and a boy. He enjoys drawing caricatures, which he has done for me at uh, one point in the past and editorial cartoons, basketball, reading and college football. Kurt served as a full time missionary in the Sacramento, California mission, which is right near where I live. And he is the uh, he served as an executive secretary, bishopric counselor, high priest, group leader, bishop, first counselor, and a state presidency, and as an elders quorum president. And and he is the executive director and uh, and chairman of the Leading Saints um, nonprofit, which is there to help uh, members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints become more than just a calling, but to become better leaders. And that is with all various callings and volunteer positions in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, even if you are not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, Kurt's site is still very beneficial. It's very tool-driven. So he gives a lot of tools to help people in various leadership positions, um, even within an, a religious organization or even outside of a, relig- a religious organization. A lot of tools on empathy, how to communicate, how to be there for other people, how to serve, so I do highly recommend his website, and uh, and he does a very wonderful job on a podcast that's uh, incredibly popular as well. So Kurt was is here to talk about an online conference that, uh, and here's off of his website, the online conference that will help Latter-day Saints support and lead those who struggle with pornography and help them restore hope in others, uh, hope to others when all seems lost. But uh, again, for the especially for this Liberating Saints um this uh, Liberating Saints virtual summit that he has put together, it, it is definitely something that will benefit someone who, it, whether they are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not, anyone struggling with uh, pornography or, quite frankly, any kind of addictive behaviors. And he has a, a lineup, a lot, I mean, a couple of dozen speakers that all cover different topics on this, uh, all different angles on this uh, very important topic. And I was fortunate enough to be interviewed by him as well. And I, I'm really uh, again, I love when he is at the helm of the microphone and doing the interviewing because I think we covered a lot of ground on some new material, just a lot of things around uh, my thoughts around helping people with addiction, um, a lot of strength-based, hope-based things around addiction. So if you head over to leadingsaints.org, right on the homepage there, he has uh, a place where you can sign up to get this Liberating Saints Virtual Pornography Summit or access to it. It is free. And, uh, and again, it is hours and hours of content. So I highly recommend that you head over there and check that out now. So without any further ado, let me get to my interview with Kurt Frankham from LeadingSaints.org. 
recording. That's where wow. it is. So, okay. All right. Oh, I see all kinds of little sound things happening there. Um, okay. Hey, my guest today is Kurt Frankum. Uh, Kurt, welcome to the virtual couch. Yeah. Hey, I uh, welcome. Uh, I mean, welcome you to your couch as, as well. <laughs> All right. That was a rough takeoff, but that's everything's real here. Tony. It, it is. Everything's real. I, I, it's a pleasure to be here on your podcast that is world renowned. And uh, I'm just a little guy in the pond with my own podcast. Nothing compared to this. So. Although, and I think I shared this uh, on the episode that I did for you, you were a big deal. I reached out to you and you were very kind and made time for me. But even when we got on the phone, you kind of said, uh, so like, what's, uh, what do you want to talk about? And I was, and I didn't really know what I wanted to talk about, but I was trying to pitch my services to come um, share my message on your podcast. And thank goodness you didn't take me up on it at the time. Cause I, I, it would have been a mess. Um, so I, right. well, no, you, you would have done fine, but you have been on my podcast and it's, it's, uh, was downloaded like crazy. And we had a great discussion because, uh, we, you know, the, the audience I speak to are lay leaders in the, the church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints who are striving to, you know, help individuals who are either struggling with mental illness or addiction or all these, uh, different areas. And, and we focus on one aspect of, of addiction and, uh, people loved it and you had some great feedback. So it'd be worth having furthering that conversation on your podcast. Right. Right. And I would love to, and you know, uh, here's my being super honest. I mean, I am on that page, your page right now, leading saints.org. And if you, if you go to the podcast page, you've got all these super famous people and their pictures featuring guests such as, and it has a lot of people. And then you go down and and it says uh, most listened to podcasts, and there's the one that we did together. Um, so I, Boom, I, I know, right? right? And and I really, I mean, I know I'm sounding like a, an egomaniac with that, but um, I really was grateful to have a platform because we talked about trying to remove uh, shame, basically, out of the office of bishops and uh, and how that can yeah. help addicts. And and I don't think you and I have spoken since then, but I've, I've literally received a uh, hundred plus emails from all kinds of leaders, uh, people who have heard the podcast and just talked about how that's really helped them in their struggles with addiction. So again, I really am grateful that you, um, gave me that platform. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, it's so crucial because, you know, so, you know, and I've been this, this leader who I was called as a bishop at 28 with my, uh, uh, you know, degree in marketing. So that was worthless in that context. And, uh, you know, I, I faced these difficult situations where I, you know, individuals are desperate for help. And of course we, uh, you know, no, no leader, no bishop wants to be the therapist unless they are a therapist. And so, yeah, uh, it's just good to know some of these general, uh, red flags to look for or, you know, when and when not to, I mean, you'll never go wrong with referring it out to a professional therapist like yourself, but these are tough situations. So, uh, that's why I appreciate listening to the virtual couch so much is it sort of brings me into that, uh, into that counselor therapist uh, arena to hear some of these dynamics. I wouldn't even have considered, uh, without you sort of bringing voice to them. So hopefully we can we can t- talk about that. Well, and, and I know that's one of the things I want to address today is um, you've got it's uh, the Liberating Saints Virtual Summit, and you've done some things similar. So maybe before we do that, give me the it doesn't have to be an elevator pitch, but maybe give me a, a couple of minutes on just about you. I know you live in Utah. I know you enjoy drawing characters. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I know that uh, how long you've been doing the, the podcast, how long you've been doing the website. So let's hear about Kurt. Sure. Okay, so I was born and raised in, in Utah, particularly particularly in West Valley City, Utah, which is just the west, just west of Salt Lake City. Mm-hmm. And uh, I 
went on a, a mission to Sacramento, California. So we both have a special place uh, in our heart for yeah. the area where you live. Just like I said, like in in our church, obviously, if those if there's anybody listening who's not familiar, like it's all a lay ministry. So nobody applies for these jobs to be a bishop or a relief study president or be a leader. And I found myself at 28 years old being called as a leader and later served in a, in a state presidency. And during this time, I thought, man, like nobody is really speaking to best practices of leadership, like how to run a meeting, uh-huh. how to mentor an addict, uh, how to... Uh, you know, just the most simple things of just how to lead. And so I wasn't an expert of leadership, but I knew I could maybe create a platform to bring the experts. And so I created Leading Saints. Uh, we're a nonprofit. We have a podcast. We have online articles. And it's just a, a, a platform where individuals can come to either learn about leadership, to share their perspective about leadership, all in the context of, of being a Latter-day Saint and leading uh, in, in that world. And I think so that, oh, it's, it's a good summary. Yeah, no, it's perfect. And I feel like, um, the, the fact you're not afraid to have difficult conversations or guests that maybe have uh, a variety of opinions. And so I am curious, what's that been like? I mean, do you get a lot of feedback of, of why you have certain guests on or? Yeah. Well, the way I look at it is I noticed when I was a bishop, like I didn't get to dictate <laughs> what issue was going to show up on my, on my schedule for that evening. Right. Mm-hmm. Just there was a name on, on my schedule. That person would walk in and within the first you know two minutes, they would then lay a, a problem or an issue or a question before me, and I had to respond to that. So I always try to have the most difficult conversation, even about sensitive subjects like you know pornography addiction, yeah. because at some point the leader has to have that conversation anyway. So I'd rather create a platform or conversations where these individuals can already hear some points or perspectives so that when that individual walks in, they're at least somewhat uh, aware of, of, you know, the topic in general so that they uh, have a response and they're not just, uh, you know, not uh, caught up in their words and they don't know what to say, or they, you know, default to a scripture that doesn't help. Right. Or they just throw the, you know, just go pray and read your scriptures and, and that doesn't help in all circumstances. So that's sort of the way I look at it. Well, and that's, and that's what I, I loved about the episode we did was even just telling a Bishop that when somebody comes into their office and they may be struggling with uh, pornography addiction of just to tell them, thank you for coming in. I mean, I, you know, I, I got more uh, feedback on just that than I anticipated where people just want to know that, okay, so I don't have to tell them or, or, you know, do you know how bad this is? Do you realize what this can lead to? Because, uh, Hey, guess what? The addicts, yeah, he's been feeling that way for a long time. So just to have somebody in this position of authority say, thank you. And I'm grateful for you here. Um, I was just shocked at how many people responded and said, man, that I'm, I'm grateful that that's, that's, uh, that's a good thing. That's okay. Ah, man. Yeah. That's awesome to hear because it, it's so easy for a leader to see, like when that person walks in the office, like it's easy for them to assume, well, we're at step one here, but that individual's on step 1000 and yeah. one, you know, they've been already r- wrestling with this. And the, the point they get to, and hopefully they get to that point where they feel comfortable enough to, to see a, either a trusted mentor or a religious leader or their, you know, their Bishop that what a great, I mean, that that's, and I love those practical, things that that we get from from you and your and your podcast is just that you know why don't you just first start out with with thanking them for coming in because that's a tough decision it wasn't tough for the bishop to decide to go to the church that night but for that individual they they may have been sitting in the parking lot for 45 minutes before they got up the the guts to walk in there absolutely hey so um and and tell me more than about this particular liberating saints virtual summit i mean i know we wanted to kind of let's kick around some things that you're thinking about and and 
and talking through. Yeah, because I have a list of questions. I'm going to pick your brain here as we, as we go through this. But the, the Liberating Saints Virtual Summit, it all came from, you know, just, again, this idea that at Leading Saints, we want to tackle the most difficult and most sensitive of issues and create content and resources around them so that uh, Latter-day Saint leaders are better prepared to to lead in those circumstances. So um, by far, if you talk to any bishop or stake president, they're going to tell you that the, the number one thing that they uh, see people about as far as topic or issue is this uh, addiction, specifically in the context of pornography addiction or, or those wrestling with with pornography. And, and we're going to get into that whole uh, word addiction. Yeah, yeah, let's but, do. So this is like a huge issue. And, um, and there are a lot of resources out there. You know, I've attended Utah. There's a great organization here in Utah called the Utah Coalition Against Pornography. Yeah. They do a great conference every year. They do one in Salt Lake, one in Southern Utah and St. George area. And just so many resources for, you know, it's not for specific religion or anything, but so many resources for individuals, both that, that are trapped in, in this wrestle with uh, pornography and then they want to stop and those that are maybe loved ones or, or mentors. And so I wanted to create a virtual summit where leaders across the world, both leaders and, you know, loved ones of the, the individual, the addict or the individual wrestling with uh, pornography to come and learn just about, you know, how can we how can we help that individual? Yeah. Because so many times we just, and I remember day one being a bishop, an individual sharing with me his uh, struggle with pornography. And the only thing that came to mind was, well, why don't you just stop it? Right. You know, just stop doing that. But that, that <laughs> they did, never thought of that. Believe it or not, Tony, that didn't I, I'm shocked. I'm right. shocked. Usually, <laughs> I know yeah, that. <laughs> that's usually my go-to and it's, uh, I'm done by about 15 minutes and we just kind of talk about other things the rest of the period, you know, so. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have gathered. I've gathered. Uh, we're starting with twenty uh, individuals. Some are experts. Some are therapists. Uh, you are numbered among those twenty. Where uh, we're talking about different topics. So we've. Uh, I've right now. I'm about uh, halfway through recording everything, and by the time this airs, uh, hopefully it's it's uh, all recorded or close to it. But we've talked about you know shame. We've talked about uh, the power of of the, the father relationship mm. with some individuals, a professor up at BYU, Idaho. We've talked about, um, you know, from the, as far as betrayal trauma and what the spouse okay. needs to keep in mind when, when they're, they're stuck with this betrayal and, you know, the leader just being aware of that betrayal trauma so that it's so easy to focus on the individual who's actually acting out. Right? Yeah. And, and you sort of forget the spouse that they, they're, uh, they have their own, uh, journey of recovery that we need to keep in mind. And so we're, we're, We've, I've gathered as many smart people like yourself, Tony, mm-hmm. that I can find, and I've interviewed them, asked them the tough questions. So hopefully, as people watch it, um, that they can come out the the other end feeling like you know I'm, I'm not an expert by any means, but I have a better idea of how to approach my loved one or that individual in my ward who is coming to me with questions. And, and so that's the the Liberating Saints Virtual Summit. That's the idea. It's virtual. Uh, you can watch it from any internet access computer and uh, join in it's free anybody who signs up uh, you can watch it for free and, and, it'll, and it'll be fun so that's the summary of, of the which summary. i love that and and even i like what you're saying there too it uh, helps people have a little bit more data to work with but if and i'm sure that almost everyone you're talking to is taking away that part of uh, or at least kind of really the the what not to say i mean i know that no one's going to be perfect with this um but i but i feel like even just having that uh, tell me more that kind of an empathetic stance to begin with 
uh, goes a long way, even if you aren't quite sure exactly what to say. Aren't there, I mean, there there are so many preconceived notions or um, stigmas or just not having a full understanding of some of these specific situations that if I can just remove some of that, those preconceived uh, notions and understandings that often are incorrect. Yeah. And then you can approach people with more empathy when those are out of yeah. the way. Cause again, I always go back to the, the beginning of the day um, or at the end of the day, beginning of the day, and it's some part of the day, Kurt, um, but at some point, uh, no one is waking up, you know, saying, <laughs> all right, I think, uh, when I'm, when I'm young, I think I'd love to grow up and, and really be able to, uh, to be addicted to pornography or not be able to turn away from it. I mean, that's, so there's reasons why people get to the point in life that they are. And sometimes just being able to have somebody hear you and try to sort through that is such a big step because that the addiction in general is, is one yeah. of such shame and kind of isolation and, uh, and that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, we should, w- w- let's get to your questions, right? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have a list of questions here and I know obviously you're going to be participating this yeah. summit. We haven't recorded that interview yet. Um, and maybe as we go through this and I know you maybe have some ideas of the direction you want to head with the topic of, of your session and, and interview, but, uh, maybe we'll get some further ideas as we, sure. as we go through these, these questions. So the first question I have for you, Tony is, is this the concept of addiction? Because let me tell you that when I walked in when I decided to do this virtual summit, my first idea was I'm going to call it porn addicted saints. And the backlash I got all around this, this word of, of addict where some individuals said, yeah, absolutely. You need to call it porn addiction. Like we need to, you know, face this, this issue head on and call it what it is. And then you have other people are saying, no, people who label themselves an addict, that's just an excuse or some individuals even shared that I hate that people call it a disease because that just is if that gives people permission that, uh, you know, there's nothing you can do about this disease. So I guess you have to act out. So tell us, Tony, like, what is it with this word addiction? Like, what what's your perspective on it? Is it a porn addiction? So I all right. I love the question. And this is my way to, to pause for a moment. Um, it's really not. I'm ready. For, I'm so sure. ready for this one. Uh, because I think at one point when you and I were talking about even um, uh, topics, I wanted to, I said, you know, could I do one like called addiction, schmaddiction? But then that doesn't really sound as catchy as I wanted to. Uh, but, but I mean, the point of that, let me, let me even take a step back. And on the, on the episode that you and I did on, on Leading Saints, I talked about, um, this is why I love this concept It's called acceptance and commitment therapy. So, and what acceptance and commitment therapy at, at its core is this concept where you, uh, Kurt, me, Tony, whoever is walking into my office, they are the only person on the face of the earth that has ever experienced all of the things that they have experienced in their life, whether, you know, it's nature or nurture or DNA or birth order or abandonment and rejection and people mm-hmm. dying and moving and friends. And, and so, so to begin with, I think that that, you know, when we talk about why some people feel like it's important to, to call it an addiction and why some people are offended by addiction and why some people benefit when they, they label it as an addiction and other people don't. Uh, and maybe you can see where I'm going here. It's because that word addiction or that concept means something different to, to everybody. And, and this is the part where I know I might be uh, sounding like a little bit of a cop out, but you know, in, in my office and in the work that I get to do, I will work with whatever this, this client's self-determination, you know, whatever the client brings in, if, if they want to talk about what addiction means to them, because I have had all of those in my office. I've had people that, you know, once they call it an addiction, then they almost feel like, okay, now I know how to handle it. And I've had people that are like, the last thing I want to do is, is call myself an addict. And, and there are, there are practitioners out there. I know 
know that again, like you said, are very much you're in denial if you won't call it an addiction. And and I'm at this point where I've helped enough people over 15 years where um, you know I just want to kind of find out what what does that word even mean and and what are the stories their brain is kind of telling them about that word that stopped them from getting help up to this point. You know, I'm just grateful that they're there. So uh, I did a I. I was quoted in an, in an article and I think it was recovery today where me personally, you know, I'm going to go with, uh, they can call it whatever they want. You know, it's just like, thank you for coming in. And then let's start looking at what are those stories my brain is telling me that caused me to then, you know, not do the work. But, but I want you to be honest with me, Kurt, does that sound like a total cop out? No, I think that's helpful. So I want to know, like, so from your, like your yeah, clinical yeah. background, is it an, an official like oh, diagnosis? Right, right, right. So, like, do you, cause one, one individual told me that only like only a professional doctor or therapist should tag somebody or label someone with the term. Addict. So, okay, no, good point. So, you know, in the addiction world, I mean, really the, the, from a clinical standpoint, there is no, you know, pornography addiction or sexual addiction. There's, there's impulse control disorder. I mean, so that's something that a lot of people do kind of start to look at. Um, because if you look at this as an impulse control disorder, uh, oh, if I pull this up really quick, I mean, uh, we're here disorders whose essential features are the failure to resist an impulse drive or temptation to perform an act that is harmful to the individual or to others. Individuals experience an increased sense of tension prior to the act and pleasure, gratification or release or tension of the time by committing the act. So, I mean, if you really want to kind of go into, you know, is it an impulse control disorder? Um, sure. Um, but as far as like a pornography addiction, no, I mean, there really isn't a, a clinical uh, diagnosis of, of pornography addiction. Hmm. I don't know if yeah. that helps. And, and from my experience, I've, no, it, it does because, um, because even on, from what I understand, even on the, the the professional side of things, like there is debate. Like you could probably find other therapists who sure. completely disagree with a lot of your approach with yeah, yeah, addiction, right? So, uh, but I think the main point, that, as I have heard both sides of the argument, sort of the conclusion I've come to is that the the term addiction, uh, one especially, uh, you know, lay leaders, they should never. Um, you know, oh, label right. somebody with that unless they have maybe first labeled it yeah, for themselves. Yeah, no, right? I like that. Um, and I guess I, just to continue on that thought is that at some point, like when an individual is doing something compulsively with which they want to stop, regardless if it's you know pornography or regardless if there's a big stigma behind it or not, they need to, at some point they need to come to terms that yeah, they have a yeah. problem, right? And so sometimes people, a way for them to say, I have a problem is they say, Right. I am an addict and I cannot stop. Yeah. yeah. Help, and, and I think right? it's, I'm, I'm glad you're saying that too, because I've, I've actually facilitated for a very long period of time, a 12 step meeting, uh, called passage pornography addiction support group. And there's no part of me that is in that, in that framework. Mm-hmm. When somebody says, you know, hi, my name's Tony. We all say, hi, Tony. He's like, I'm an addict, you know, whatever. There's no part of me that's like, Hey, time out. Hey, don't you go labeling yourself. All right. Yeah. You know, come on. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's not because yeah, for, especially even in that 12 step model, um, it, there's, I think what step, uh, step one is where it's like, uh, this is out of, you know, something that's, uh, can no longer control. And, and, um, and so for some it is, that's their jumping off point where they say, okay, I am an addict. And, and I understand that again, my job is not to question their, their, uh, definition or, but it's the, uh, what's the struggle or the challenge on getting help. Cause if you look at the, I just pulled up the, um, the American society of addiction medicine and, you know, when they go into short definition of addiction, I mean, it's talking about primary chronic disease of brain reward, motivation, memory, and related circuitry dysfunction in these circuits leads to a characteristic biological 
psychological, social, and spiritual manifestations that are reflected in individual pathology, pursuing reward and or relief by substance use and other behaviors. So, I mean, that's a mouthful, right? I mean, so that's one where when somebody just says, you know, yeah, right. When they just say I'm an addict, it's like, okay, uh, you know, is this a chronic disease of the brain reward motivation, memory and related circuitry? Um, or is this a, something that becomes a unhealthy coping mechanism that someone turns to more frequently than not? But, but I think as we talked about on your podcast is in, in my world, I mean, if I can kind of start helping somebody work with, uh, becoming more authentic or dialed in, in their, um, in their relationships and their marriage and their, as a, as a parent and their job and their faith and their health, that the siren song of coping, this unhealthy coping mechanism often, starts to be pushed out by somebody kind of living a little bit more of this authentic life that they never thought that they could. Um, but again, that's not, not saying that there aren't addicts. I mean, because again, there's a, here's that definition. So, um, there are people that are going to definitely fall into that category of a, a faulty brain reward mechanism. So have you ever seen, uh, anybody use that label as an excuse to continue? I mean, I have, I, I have, and I, and I feel like that, uh, you know, and I've had, I've had lots of situations where, and this is going back to, I feel like my job is to be the person that is going to continue to work with, um, the person coming back to me, coming into my office of where I feel like a lot of times somebody will not want to do the work or they may want to do the work, but they're afraid to do the work. And so when they don't do the work, then they come in and, and I've had people then say, man, it's just the addict behavior, you know, check this out. And, and so that's the part where I feel like at times, you know, the, the, the person in my office wants me to say, oh, you're right. You know, that is, that is addict behavior. So, well, you know, I guess, uh, I guess there's nothing we can really do. So I guess you can go and, you know, keep up the, the unhealthy coping mechanism. And so, so that's the part where I feel like, you know, when you start to have somebody even get a little bit of uh, success, um, where I've had people, and again, this is a, not a, everybody that says they're an addict is using this as an excuse, but where I've had enough experience with people who have said, man, I was, uh, you know, I would immediately go to that. I'm an addict so that then I could act out. So, I mean, I have had those situations, but I don't want this to sound like I'm saying that everybody who says that they, you know, right, or, or have an addiction is just, you know, saying, all right, so I'm going to go sin now, you know, I'll be back. And so it really comes down to, like, you just perceiving, whether a therapist or a leader or, or a, fa- a loved one, sort of perceiving, how are they using that label? Because some use it that is quite freeing, like that's yeah, what finally yeah. gets them to a state of recovery where they can see progress. Or others, if they're just sort of hiding behind it or, you know, using it as a, almost a term of shame, like, well, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. Then, then that label's not helpful, but that's not to say it's, yeah. Cause I mean, I, you others. know, I'm thinking about this in terms of, even if we look at outside of the world of addiction, I mean, I've had, I've had clients that have come in and not wanted the label of, um, it used to be Asperger's now it's high functioning, you know, on autism, autism spectrum disorder, but where somebody's like, I don't, I don't want to be labeled with Asperger's, you know, but I've also had, uh, one of my, uh, I don't know. I was going to say one of my most successful clients, but I had a client once who came in and he said, Hey, now that I kind of know that that's, that's what I have. He was like, a lot of things make more sense. So, and then it was basically like, what do I do in situations where my, my Asperger like tendencies come in and it was missing social cues at work and walking away from conversations in the middle. And so there was somebody that took that label that, that, and, and just said, all right, now, now we can work with this. But I've also had people come in and say, again, the last thing I want to do is hear that I'm, that I am something, that there's something wrong with me. 
So, and I, that goes back to, I feel like that acceptance mm-hmm. and commitment therapy piece of that acceptance piece of what, what brings that person to the table today to have such a visceral reaction toward a label or not having, you know, it's like, that's where I feel like we got to start. Then they really have to probably dig down there and yeah, yeah. find the roots of that. Yeah. Right? So, and I, again, we'll, we'll move on from this question here in a minute because I know it's a, but it's one that I'm constantly facing, you know, as I interview different people, some say, ah, you know, I just hate the, the term addict. I never use it. And, and I know like uh, I've talked with individuals who've uh, worked with, who are work for, um, the, the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, and they've helped put together these, uh, uh Pornography, those yeah. that wrestle with pornography uh, videos. Uh, and I, I stumble over how I even say it, but they say they were intentional not to use addict because it's almost like this polarizing term where they just kept it in the, the world of individuals who yeah, you know it's funny if i if i'm being su- uh, super honest at the beginning of my virtual couch podcast i do my whole little hey it's tony welcome to the virtual couch and i and i say my little uh, thing but i always talk about and i'm creator of the path back and i say and i used to very confidently say an online pornography addiction uh, pornography addiction recovery program that's helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography addiction and i've even found myself over the last probably three or four months saying if you know people who have struggled with por- pornography and other compulsive behavior and you know, if your desire is to put that behavior behind you once and for all, it can be done because I found myself kind of feeling like there are people that won't even, um, seek help because they feel like, Oh, I guess I'm admitting that I'm an addict. So, so I, you know, I find myself wrestling with that too. And I do feel like that's one of the interesting things about being a therapist who is working with somebody in their office and where it's a lot easier to kind of say, tell me more about that word addiction. And, and you know, does it work for you? Does it not? What do you, what, what does that bring up for you versus having a podcast and a platform and, and even speaking at some of these summits where there are people that because of their own experiences that it's like, no, the person has to say it. And, you know, and somebody like me saying, yeah, I just want to help the person, you know? And, and so, man, I still get that why that's such a, such a hot topic, but I, you know, and, and hopefully it, yeah. it's going to catch it. It's going to be, it's going to cool. catch everybody at some point, whether they call themselves addict or not. Yeah. And so what I'm learning from all this is that it's not, especially if you're in a leadership role or you're a loved one of an individual wrestling with, with pornography, it's never take it upon yourself to determine how they use the word or even that you are going to um, tell them how to use the word, right? Like you just, if they find help in that, that's leading them towards hope and recovery, then great, you know, leverage that, that word and that label for your, for yourself. And if it doesn't, then maybe that's where additional professional yeah. help could, could come and, and figure out why they are using that uh, label in a a negative way. Right. All right. So I feel like I feel so bad. I was like, Oh, next question, Kurt, you know, I feel so bad saying that I can talk about that stuff all day. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, let's move on though. I've got a variety of things. I'll probably jump around here. Um, what about, uh, you said you've been involved with like 12 step, uh, addiction programs. What's your general take on those? I mean, is it, and I don't think you'd ever say one thing is one size fits all, but, uh, should should we default to a twelve step recovery option when we are trying to mentor an, uh, a loved one who is? You know, it's so funny, and that's why I like uh, talking about these things. And I even realize again that this is going to get released at some point, and people are going to hang on to this uh, recording and, and send it to uh, their spouse or somebody and say, "See, you know, I shouldn't have to go, or I should have to go." And and I realize like that's so it's so difficult because um, I, you know I really enjoyed facilitating the twelve step meetings, and there were times where I had people 
that I was working with individually that would go to a 12 step meeting. And I had times where they just felt like this is such a connection and a brotherhood. And I really, you know, love hearing these people's stories and where I had other people saying that, man, hearing these stories is really kind of, uh, it's kind of brought me down, you know, and these shares are really difficult for me because I feel like I'm in a different place. And, and, and so that whole model, and, and this is where I feel like I, I just, I kind of go back to this acceptance and commitment therapy model of, you know, what, what do those 12 step groups mean to different people and why, and what are the things that they are, are benefiting from? What are the things that they're struggling with? I mean, cause I, I've worked with people where just to be able to go to that meeting and sit there and not say a word and not share and pass on the readings, but that, that, that brings them, you know, structure or that brings them, uh, they feel like they are making progress. And then I've had other people who, who just, mm. and I, I've worked with people that I feel like have kind of become addicted to the 12 step meetings and where, you know, they speak fluent 12 step, but they're still continuing to relapse often. And so, you know, that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's really is. And, um, you know, and, and I, again, I've been working with enough guys over the years in particular, where there are some groups that have popped up that are, uh, that are kind of more, um, men's fellowship groups where they have a 12 step aspect, but they also have more of a, you know, an accountability aspect or, um, you know, true sponsor method or, so I think I've kind of deviated off of whatever your question was. I don't think I answered it. Did I Kurt? <laughs> well, just as far as your, Oh yeah. Like the role yeah. and the, uh, of 12 step programs, like, is it, yeah. So, I mean, what's your take on, on that? I love it. Of using that I do. I love it. And I love when people recovery. go to them. I mean, I'm not going to shame someone if they're telling me that they just can't do it. I mean, that's going to be some sessions of therapy there because typically that's going to deal with, they don't want to, uh, they don't want to feel like they will see somebody that they know or, and, and I know, you know, I know I was gonna say, I believe that that's part of, um, the whole problem that can get someone to turning, I'm trying to not say the word addict. How funny is that? Cause we just did 20 minutes on it, but I, but I would say, you know, addicts talking who is saying, no, no, I can do this on my own and I don't want to see anybody and I don't want to be embarrassed. And I don't, so I know like, or I feel like in a perfect case scenario, there is, it's a good supplement to individual counseling and, uh, and, and kind of, you know, doing their own individual work. I feel like it's good to kind of have that structure. And I feel like it's really helpful to have that spiritual component. Yeah. And, uh, and I feel like that, and it does help a lot of guys to know that, oh, there's other guys that are in this situation as well. So, you know, I'm a big fan of it. I am. So are there instances, I would imagine there's instances where for some individuals, it just doesn't help them and, and maybe give us a hypothetical of if that is true. Hypothetically, yeah, I mean, so, and again, it goes like? back to those individual experiences. Cause I realize I could give you, I could give you a lot of examples of people where I feel legitimately, I don't feel like they're making excuses where they feel like it isn't something that, that has been as beneficial to them. But I feel like there are going to be people listening right now that are going to say, well, that's the addict talking, you know, that sort of thing. But I mean, I, I'll have situations where, you know, where somebody does, Right. Um, where maybe they, they weren't, uh, a frequent user we'll say of pornography, or, you know, it was something where they really, um, had gotten a lot of distance or space between individual or, or times of relapse or where they really did kind of come in and maybe they, they confessed to a, a spouse or a bishop or they went to a therapist and they were kind of saying, all right, this, I feel like is something that's going to really, you know, help me, put me out, put me over the edge is to, to really just have this accountability with a therapist or, uh, or, or a bishop or even my spouse and, but I'm really in a good place. And so then if somebody says, okay, well, you have to go to this 12 step program. And, and again, there, it's not that there isn't anything that they may benefit, but, but it's not that there's, you know, this is the time where then sometimes people get in there and, and they don't necessarily feel like there's that connection or, and, you know, and, and here's somebody that's felt a lot of progress and like they've felt a lot 
of, uh, you know, movement toward recovery and then go in there and go, Whoa, this feels a little bit heavy. You know, um, these are situations that I'm, that, that maybe I'm not ready to process or, and I don't know if that, and again, I, I, is that what I'm saying this? I can, I can picture people listening saying, well, that guy's not truly recovered, but it's like, but I mean, I'm working with people that that's kind of, that is their situation. I mean, we can go so deep dive on concepts around things like mm-hmm. sensory processing sensitivity, which is also known as highly sensitive person, HSP, where there are people that do feel a lot more, you know, these people that kind of have a lot more, uh, they, they process things a lot more de- deeply. And so you've got somebody there who kind of goes into a situation and then sits and hears a bunch of, of shares that are around people's families that are, uh, that are falling apart because of, uh, of the, the addiction or the problem or people who hear about people that continue to relapse and, you know, and you've got somebody that's, that's really done a lot of work and they're feeling pretty confident and, you know, they go in there and it, and it can really kind of, it can be hard for them. So, so the point being is that you see individuals reach recovery through the 12 step, uh, 12 step program. And there's individuals that reach recovery that. Oh, absolutely. And, and I even have, you know, I have people that just do 12 step and, and can really struggle. That's the one I often hear if I'm doing uh, maybe some of the betrayal trauma work. And if I'm working with the spouse, the, maybe the wife in that case, and where if, you know, she's trying to get all the help that she, can get. And if, you know, and I, I mean, I've had a few of these where the wife will tell me, you know, he's going to the 12 step group, but that's all he's doing because he thinks he's, he's okay. You know, he's not doing individual work or he's not continuing to meet with, uh, a, uh, a leader of the church. I mean, whatever it is, but it's somebody who just says, look, I'm going to 12 step. I'm good. And, uh, and, and I've seen some situations where that necessarily hasn't been, um, enough. So kind of all over the map. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, because exactly. Right. And now they, yeah. So they were like, no, I'm going to this meeting and there's other guys that are acting out too. So I'm, I'm everybody, I think I'm kind of normal. Um, so that can be hard. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next question I have is, as you know, the dynamic with uh, working with uh, bishops, uh, you know, they may refer somebody to you and then they're, you know, they give permission for you to talk with their bishop about uh, their meetings and, and you talk on the phone. And I'm sure you have interacted with bishops who uh, yeah. you feel are, are really yeah. helping and you interact with bishops. Maybe you feel oh. like uh, you are not helping. <laughs> I could just communicate that to you. So paint us the picture as far as like, what what a bishop's role is in, in helping that individual meet recovery, um, and because sometimes they, anyways, well, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, no, this is I, this I'll, is adjust it. But what, this what's is the one the, where I say no, for sure. Go back and listen to our interview on your on your podcast because we we go pretty deep into this, and 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 and, yeah. and, and I really loved yeah, it did, because this is the part where I, I even know that uh, maybe this isn't everybody's cup of uh, uh, organic um, tea. Uh, or is that, the, <laughs> so keeping hip with the kids these days. Uh, but, but I mean, it's the, it's the right. concept where I have bishops who are, are literally saying, um, and we'll go completely in the context of the church of Jesus Christ, of Latter-day Saints, where I have people that go in and their, their bishops saying, all right, you know, you need to not take the sacrament. You need to give me your temple recommend. And we're going to meet every week and, and you need to go to the 12 step group and you need, you know, and, and it's just a lot of this. And Hey, do you realize that this is serious? And, and, you know, I'm glad you're here, but man, you know, you could really blow it you could lose your family. And I mean, so I hear those stories. Unfortunately, I hear those often. And, and the crazy part is I can have somebody else come in with a similar, um, 
story of what brought them into the bishop's office and the bishop saying, all right, hey, you, ma'am, you make sure you're here every Sunday and you, you take that sacrament and you go to the temple and, and let's step it up on your calling and let's, uh, let's you and I, we can, we can, you know, just check in on the phone or, you know, and I want you to really, uh, reach out to friends and I want you to make sure you're, you're doing your ministering and, and just really embrace it and spend time with your kids. And so when you hear both of those laid out, which one kind of sounds a little bit more, uh, strength-based or, or hope-filled. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you mentioned like accountability in that, like what is, because uh, it's so easy for that leader to default to, uh, yeah, oh, I'm the yeah, accountability not... police, you know, I'm going to check in every two weeks. So, and, and nor is it no, no. when the spouse is that way or even loved ones. So what, what role does accountability, I mean, because I would imagine the person needs to they be do, and, and here's where things right? get hard. And I think this is where I'm going to step back into kind of individual counseling mode. Um, as a as a therapist, what you're often seeing is, I mean, I used to be the guy that's like, fine, you know, I'll send you a text every day because, uh, yeah, it doesn't need to be your spouse, and and your your bishop ne- doesn't necessarily know uh, kind of what he what to work with here. And but then it's the you know, if you're the one that's kind of saying, all right, I'll check in with you, and then heaven forbid you don't for a day, or the person doesn't get back to you, then they kind of feel like they're off the hook. So even that concept of accountability, which is absolutely necessary. Um, I feel like it's something that still has to be a process. So, you know, in my world, it's, uh, you know, it's having a friend, somebody that they can reach out to somebody who they can, um, you know, kind of check in with, or if they're going to be, if they're going to have me help them with accountability, then I I put that on them. I mean, I need them to shoot me a text every day and, and let me know how things are going because, because the, you know, the kind of, we'll go back to this mm-hmm. default addict mentality or addict brain is the, you know, all right, if nobody's, if, if basically if nobody's looking, nobody's checking, you know, here's a pattern of behavior that kind of goes back to, um, acting out. And so it, it's almost like waiting for that, uh, see, um, the therapist doesn't care, care, care about me or the bishop isn't, uh, um, he's not even paying attention to what I'm doing. And, and it kind of goes back into that, um, feeling of, of kind of, uh, isolation or, um, you know, again, it's that story of, uh, who really cares what I'm doing. And, and then I feel like that's the time where that impulsive behavior kind of takes over. So, um, which that's, that's hard. That is. And, and there are some great, there's some apps out there. There's some programs online that do have, uh, communities, forums that, I mean, they are kind of set up to have more of an accountability system. And so, you know, I think that some of those can, uh, can really help in this, situation too. And I think where I was going with that is the hard, the hard part is it, 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 and this is going to sound, here comes a big old cliche, but it really depends on how, where that person is and how hard they're willing to work right now. And that's where I feel like, you know, all I can do at times is, is, is this whole strength based model of, I'm glad they're meeting with me, uh, you know, um, let's, let's get this to work. And then if they aren't reaching out to me, if that's their goal is to have accountability, then, then let's talk about what's stopping them. You know, is it the shame? Is it the fear? Is it the, you know, they, they aren't, you know, they have a day or two where they haven't, or or maybe they've relapsed and then they feel this tremendous amount of shame. So they don't want to reach out. And, and because those are the patterns of behavior that have led them to the point where they're at now. So that's the kind of data I want to work with. And I, I've just noticed that it's so easy to right, use accountability right. sort of as a, as a prescription, right? Like uh, you're going to text me twice a day. And when you do that, we're exactly that's gonna, right. That's going to get you over this. You know, we're going to fix you through this accountability. But I've noticed it's, only, it's most effective when that individual almost yep. uh, comes up with the accountability on their own saying, you know, this is an issue. I need to do this. Like it would really help me. Like I don't need to text you every day. 
But what would really help me is is yeah. you helping me make sure I have yeah. five phone numbers of close friends I can call when it, when it gets tough, right? Like when it sort of organically comes through that individual, that's when you know, okay, he's on a path to recovery. When, when it's more like, okay, you have a 17-year-old teenager that's like not getting it. So you're like, all right, we're going to. We're going to talk every day after school, like how you're it's really not, you know, and that's no. not going to help. It's really not. And I like where you're going with there too. I mean, so, to you know, if I'm really getting behavioral, so a lot of times when you get somebody in the office, you're, you know, you know that down the road, the key, the key component is going to be this concept of mindfulness and being able to recognize a thought of wanting to act out and kind of putting a little distance between the thought and the action. And, and that's going to really be key. But until somebody really gets to that uh, kind of change in their whole relationship with their thoughts, um, you do have to go with those behavioral changes. And so, you know, I'll have people do a whole, uh, what a behavioral, like a relapse prevention program. And that might, and you know, somebody calling a friend or somebody doing pushups or somebody going for a walk or somebody, you know, and the, but the reality is that people are going to, they can have every list in the world. They can have every phone number on their phone and that doesn't mean that they're going to use it. So, I mean, it's still this process that they're going through to the, you know, what, what really kind of they root in that's uh, that works or that kind of gives them some success or hope. And then, and then just kind of move forward and then whenever they do kind of fall back then it's like all right let's work with that data too yeah that's awesome awesome all right so we just have a few minutes left here i know right your, that's your right next appointment oh, where you have to kind. save someone's life as you do tony oh, you're, that's your, you're just a modern day superhero um and i have some other questions i we can hit on here as we wrap up but is there a sp- certain topic or angle that you wish someone would ask you that that is it's desperate that we understand. Ooh, that's a good the, question, uh, Kurt. Um, you know, the stuff that just, I mean, I might, but I'll tell you the, the you stuff that just working with men, working with men and just the, the, the darned insecurities and just that whole concept of uh, how hard it is for them to be vulnerable because that sets up so many, um, issues, challenges, or struggles. So, you know, the fact where it's hard for a guy to, to reach out to another guy or to their, their parents or anyone and just say, man, I, I need some help. And so, because in, you know, in, in guys' marriages, you know, when they just feel like, okay, they're, they're struggling in their work or, or if they're struggling on being a parent or they, they're struggling on how to communicate with their spouse and they just feel like, I can't tell anybody, you know, I just got to figure this out. And, but then if they, you know, and I feel like that's what leads to a lot of times with addiction mm-hmm. as well of, it's just like somebody is feeling like, man, they're just not enough. Like they're not doing enough in their life. And then they just, that, that whole, I call it man brain where they just don't want to, whether it's bur- burden somebody else or, you know, I, I feel like yeah. I hear all the time and I heard it earlier today, but I, I hear all the time in these sessions when I, when somebody just drops into this, they kind of do this little stare off to the side and they're like, man, I just, no, I just really got to. I just really got to, I just got to work on this. I just really need to make this a priority. And, you know, and it's like, okay, but how many, how many times have you said that? You know, no, you really need to, to do something different or break a pattern or cycle or reach out to somebody else or do something different, you know? And so I really do feel like the thing that, um, that, uh, I wish that I could just see, but then here's the thing too, the guys that probably need to hear this the most aren't even listening to podcasts or anything. I mean, they're listening to some eighties hair metal while they're like, you know, going down the 90 miles an hour, trying to get that adrenaline rush to feel, you know, when in reality it's like, how about, you know, feel a little connection with your kids or your your spouse or, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And I love this whole concept of man brain and and we are the experts to talk on this because we both have our own man brain that we walk around with all day. But, um, 
because you, you can ask any leader, like let's say you ask a bishop, hey, uh, what percentage of, of the men in your ward really struggle with pornography? And they may give you, you know, they, they'll probably be like, oh, it's definitely the nah. number one issue. <laughs> I, I'd probably say 20%. I would say you're safe in doubling that, even tripling that, yep. and then saying that's really what's happening because so many men brains are stopping them to walk in their office and it's so easy just to think oh the the only people oh, have a problem absolutely. with it i remember when when, uh, when I, office, I wanted right? to set up the 12 step um, meeting in our area because i had had people telling me about it and and it took a long time and and i reached up to through the church ranks and it had to go through our local leaders and and then we set this thing up in my particular stake and it was going to feed out to six or seven other stakes and and i was sitting there thinking man like this thing could be huge you know six or seven stakes and then it's like you're lucky to get 12 to 15 guys there at night you know, on a, on a Sunday night. And it, and it's like, really, that's, uh, that's our problem. So we got a pool to draw yeah. thousands of people and, and it's these 15 that are the ones that are struggling. And, and, and I, I mean, I don't mean to bring shame of course, but yeah. I feel like that, no, that's all the, that's all the people say, no, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm okay. And, and like, you said, like the root of the problem, as far as what I'm understanding you're saying is that it's that issue of vulnerability. Like men are less likely to get in a vulnerable state to even, address that yeah, or, or yeah. articulate the words that they have a problem right so how does how would you go about like if you're if you were a leader how would you, oh, good, uh, how would you so, stimulate vulnerability no it's a great question though that okay that and that it's got to start talking about it i mean you know got to start talking about it. it's got to start being a regular part of a of a sunday school lesson an elders quorum lesson it's got to you know there got to be talks about it there have to be and i still feel like that's an issue kind of church-wide if i'm being really bold is the you know we can read a story about it online um about somebody that had struggled and it's, and, and then they came back and then everybody lives happily ever after, but it's still really difficult to have somebody get up in a sacrament meeting and talk about their challenges or their struggles, because there's still going to be people that in the, in the war, they're going to think, geez, I can't believe they said that, you know? And, and so I still feel like there's this element of uh, what is it? Not in my backyard or, you know, it's like definitely not, you know, uh, we don't want this happening in, in our ward or in our stake or, um, and so, it, so then when somebody does come out with it and they maybe got a podcast and they get really vulnerable, there's some really good ones out there talking about uh, 12-step programs and addiction recovery. And then, you know, they are just being met with the resounding success because it's people talking about it. But, you know, it's hard to have those conversations in, in your own ward um, because maybe one or two people might say that they one time had a problem, but now they're fine. Um, even though, like, I think, yeah, 70, 60, 70% of the guys sitting in that room are struggling right then. Yeah, it is. And to really just call that out right and and say we we know that many of you are, are struggling it's yeah not, I, I tried that i tried that <laughs> i speak all over the place and and i remember going to like a bishopric training one time so i've got about eight different bishoprics in there so you know what 20 something guys and i talked about the percentages and i kind of lightheartedly said so chances are you know a good percentage of guys in here are struggling and man talk about like just crickets in the room you know so uh <laughs> that's uh, a little bit rough <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it is it is but i mean but it's easy especially in the youth context to articulate like well i, I know uh, none of you are are looking at pornography because right. that is brings the unintended right. shame like because if you are and i'll tell you though you know what you have a problem well, one, of us well, one of the right. framing things so i know in my own home is when we talk about it and it's been two or three years now where it's not a you know have you guys ever seen it i've got you know four kids three left in the home 
two left in the home. And, it, but it's like, Hey, wh- when's the last time you saw it? And like, what would you see? And cause it's like, it's so crazy when, you know, you frame it that way where kids are like, Oh yeah, it's, you know, Instagram or on Snapchat or somebody was doing this. And it's like, man, okay, what was that like? Or, you know, and, and you'll get your own kids saying stuff like, yeah, I really need to do a you know better job of if, uh, if I see that stuff, you know, blocking this account or doing this or, or that sort of thing. And I, and I know there'll be people that would hear that from me and say, Oh my God, I can't believe your kids uh, have access to that. And it's like, no, Hey, guess what? I mean, every kid it does. And if they don't, they're going to. And so it's better to start developing these uh, channels of communication to be able to talk about it and not the shame. I mean, that's the bottom line. It's just crazy. Yeah. You know, we, I, part of this summit, I interviewed, uh, four, uh, sisters. Oh yeah. They're, you know, sisters in, in the church anyways, uh, that served in a, in a stake relief society presidency of a YSA, uh, stake. And they went around and put on these, uh, th- this presentation in relief society about pornography and not, not the, about like how to predict your boyfriend from pornography or, you know, the, your niece your your nephews from pornography, like you in, in relief society, how do you wrestle or how do you, how do you face the, the issue of, of pornography? And, uh, they had a great question that they said that they often asked their boyfriend and, and asked that their boyfriend oh, asked them is yeah. what is your experience with pornography? Right. And that just opens up a great conversation of, yeah, let me tell you what that experience is. Cause everybody has an experience right. with it. And I don't mean like a, a bender of pornography usage, you know, one night that went on for hours, but Everybody has some experience with absolutely it. They've tripped over it. They've whether they have um, seen it and maybe they had a problem. Yeah, with it yeah no, exactly. I love that. I do. I mean, that, and that's so kind of going back to that that question. I mean, just being able to have those kind of conversations. But I know that we're you know we got a long way to go with that. Which at least we're having those conversations now. Which is why your the the virtual summit stuff like that is going to be so important. Yes, for uh, sure. Well, Tom, I have a list I know, of other right? questions. Uh, but I, I'm so great. I, I wanted this to be a tell me more so. about Kurt. And, but you'd look at you and your professional interviewing skills turning this thing around. What a, what a, what a, what a pro. I, I, that's all and I bring to the caricatures. Table, I mean, I no make that very well known, answer. Kurt. You, uh, I, yeah, you did a caricature <laughs> of me long ago. I'll have to put that up on my website. Oh, yes. um, hey, I, I am just right. so grateful for the opportunity that you have given me to be part of your mental health right. advisory board. And I can't wait to record another podcast on, on your show. And I'm grateful for you coming on here. And then uh, we're recording my part of the, the virtual summit soon. And then I will promote the heck out of it. And I just, I, I'm so grateful that you put those resources out there. Yes. I can't wait to point people to it. No, I'm really excited to release this. It's going to be so helpful. Just hours and hours of content that individuals can watch at their, at, you know, on, on whenever time of day they'd like. And if people do want more information, once this releases, they can go to leadingsaints.org slash liberating. And there will be all the information to register for free so you don't miss any of this uh, You're too kind, awesome Kurt. content, including right. your Hey, I really will have you come on at some point and you just got to tell your life story. I think that'd be fun. Okay. 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 We'll we'll, we'll jazz it up. I'll put some music behind it. We'll do all kinds of stuff. Sound effects. It'll be amazing. Production quality. Hey, thanks so much, Carl. Compressed emotions flying past. Our heads and out the other end. The pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost. I'm floating past. Aside the things that matter most
A million opportunities The chance is yours 